Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Andre LaRue. I'm the chair of the Medford Community Development Board, and I opened the July 21st, 2021. This meeting, uh, meeting is being recorded. Pursuant to Chapter 20 of the Acts of 2021, this hearing of the Medford Community Development Board will be conducted via remote means. Members of the public who wish to access the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted and public participation in any public hearing during this meeting shall be by remote means only. And a reminder to everyone to participate during the meeting outside of the Zoom platform, questions and comments may be mailed to OCD at medford-ma.gov or submitted via phone to 781-393-2480. The meeting will be streamed live via Medford Community Media on channels Comcast 22 and Verizon 43. All votes will be roll call votes. So please a reminder to introduce yourself each time you speak. And to mute yourself if you are not speaking. Thank you. Again, since the recording started a few seconds late, this is the Medford Community Development Board meeting of July 21st, 2021. First item on the agenda is uh, approval of the minutes of the meeting of last month, June 10th, 2021. Are there any comments or questions uh, by board members about the minutes. Edits, feedback. Andre, this is David. Yes, David. In the absence of uh, other comments, I'd like to propose a motion to approve the minutes of our last meeting. Thank you, David. There's a motion on the floor to approve the minutes. Is there a second? This Andre. is Deanna. <laughs> Go ahead. Nope. This is Deanna, I'll second. Thanks, Deanna. Uh, there's a motion with a second to approve the minutes. Uh, roll call vote. Deanna Peabody. Aye. Christy Dowd. Aye. Jackie Furtado. Aye. Wes Andreasen. Aye. David Blumberg. Aye. And I will abstain because I was not present at uh, last month's meeting. So thank you, Jackie, for, for chairing uh, last month or a couple weeks. Uh, so thank you. Uh, the motion passes to approve the minutes. Next item on the agenda is a public hearing for a special permit site plan review application for 640 to 760 Fellsway. Sorry, yes. pauses just because there's a lot of, uh, I have to read the public hearing <laughs> announcement. There's a lot of windows to manage here. Um, public hearing notice, City of Medford Community Development Board, 640 to 760 Fellsway, July 21st, 2021. The Medford Community Development Board shall conduct a public hearing on Wednesday, July 21st, 2021 at 6 p.m. via Zoom remote video conferencing relative to a special permit site plan review application submitted by BioLife Plasma Services LP to perform a tenant fit out to an existing tenant space on the property at 640 to 760 Fellsway. The scope of work for this project consists of performing interior renovations and reconfiguration of the exterior loading and facade of the building to convert an existing tenant space, 
formerly used as Modell's sporting goods into a plasma donation center, which is located in a commercial one C1 zoning district, district and is therefore an allowed use. A copy of the application may be viewed in the Office of Community Development Room 308 or on the city's website uh, by clicking on current CD board filings. Uh, open the, the public hearing. Um, Kathleen Desmond, uh, representing the proponent, uh, would you be able to explain a little bit further about the, the project we're looking at considering tonight? Certainly. Uh, good evening, Chairman LaRue, board members. Uh, with me this evening are Dwayne Musser and Jason Harder of Built to Suit, Inc. Uh, they're here on behalf of the applicant, BioLife Plasma Services Limited. In addition, uh, Karen Johnson of Charter Realty Development is here on behalf of the uh, owner of the subject property, Fellsway Plaza Limited Partnership. Um, John Lorden, uh, project manager at Tie and Bond Engineering is also here. Uh, as well as Patrick Dunford, uh, the project traffic consultant and also a project manager with BHB. Uh, this evening, the applicant BioLife Plasma Services is seeking a site plan special permit from this board. Uh, by way of introduction, the applicant BioLife Plasma Services is a company dedicated to developing plasma-based therapies that contribute to the creation of innovative treatments for medical conditions such as hemophilia, immunodeficiencies, and other genetic disorders. BioLife facilities, such as the one being proposed, collect plasma donations from healthy adult donors uh, by a process similar to that of blood donations. The collected plasma is then processed and utilized in the development of advanced medical treatments. The proposed site, as mentioned, is located within the C1 district where medical office uses is allowed as of right. While the use is permitted within the district and there's no intent to alter the existing footprint of the structure itself. Section 94-3327 of the Medford Zoning Ordinance defines a major project to include medical offices containing 5,000 square feet or more of gross floor area, thereby requiring and necessitating a special permit by this board. By way of background, uh, the subject site is situated within the Fellsway Plaza Shopping Center located on Route 28 in Medford. Uh, the, the shopping center is comprised of three separate parcels of land, each owned by separate entities. John, if, if you could share your screen um, and, and put up the site plan so we can show the board. Yeah, I'm just, I hope I have permission. Looks like you do. It is not giving me an option to select a screen. It lets me toggle between one participant or multiple. Um, oh, I can share my screen if John's not able to. Um, John, um, you should, if you click just the share screen as opposed to like the little up carrot arrow next to it, I think you should be able okay. to share. Great. Uh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as you can see, um, the parcel is situated uh, in the center of what is essentially uh, the Fellsway Plaza Shopping Center. Um, the subject site is, has a land area of 666,734 square feet. 
Um, there are three separate buildings located on the subject property. Uh, the first being down uh, here, which is a Century Bank area. Um, it has a gross flurry of approximately 3,075 square feet. Uh, the next parcel is that, oh, that building is that occupied by the stop and shop uh, supermarket that has a gross floor area of approximately 63,386 square feet. And the subject building, which is immediately adjacent uh, to the stop and shop building, uh, which has approximately 84,952 square feet. The portion of the building to be occupied uh, by BioLife, which is uh, in Maroon and is at the opposite end of, of the lot, um, adjacent to the, the New Creek LLC property, they actually share a party wall, um, is approximately 20,300 square feet and was, as indicated, formerly occupied by Modell's retail sporting goods shop. Uh, Modell's closed their doors uh, in August of 2020 um, and of significance to the space adjacent to that property, which is approximately 4,400 square feet, is also uh, vacant. That, that uh, closed its doors back in October of 2019. Uh, the project before the board is primarily involving repurposing and refitting the area, inter interior area of uh, this 20,300 square foot space. Um, there are minor cosmetic changes to the facade of the building. John, can you go to that page, I believe? So this is the Models building um, down below, which shows you uh, what it looked like at that uh, when it was what's existing essentially. Uh, what is proposed to do is to change obviously the signage to BioLife uh, Plasma Services uh, to uh, include a couple of additional win windows on the front of the facade and to the side. Um, and, and those are essentially the changes that are being made to the exterior of uh, the front of the building. Um, in addition to those changes, uh, there are some changes being made to the um, loading dock area. In, and if you can go, okay, uh, which uh, includes the uh, addition of an exterior raised platform and a dumpster pad located at the rear. Um, as indicated uh, by the city engineer, this doesn't involve any regrading or uh, surface work. Uh, so it's just a, an improvement um, that doesn't involve any digging of any real sort. Uh, lastly, uh, the other improvement which is being made relates to the signage located nearest the Riverside Ave entrance. Uh, and, and again, that is just removing the signage uh, which relates to uh, models and including the, um, the BioLife sign. Uh, as the project is very limited in scope, uh, we have requested uh, a number of waivers as, as to the site plan requirement. Um, and I, I believe that you should have those in your package. The city engineering department has taken no exception to the requested waivers. And I can run through the waivers now or at the close of the presentation uh, based on the, the preference of, of the board. It may be best to wait until uh, all, of the, all of the presenters have, have shown you what's involved. Yeah, let's wait till the end of the presentation. Okay. With that, um, I will turn the presentation over to Dwayne Messer of Suit to Build. Uh, he will provide you some more details as to the operation of the company um, and also specifics as to what, what, what types of improvements they're making in the floor plan and also the dumpster area. Dwayne. 
did see him. I should also note while we're doing this that uh, uh, our land use planner who has been uh, staffing the, the board for the last uh, couple of years, uh, Annie Streetman has departed and we have a new new planner helping us out uh, today from the Office of Community Development, Amanda Centrella. So uh, Amanda, thank you very much for, for all your help in, in preparing the materials and staffing us tonight. Thank you, excited to be working with you all. I, I did see Dwayne, is he having trouble with his microphone? Kathleen, can you hear me now? Yes, yep. Yes. Okay, thank you. Yep, sorry about that. Yes, this is Dwayne Musser with Build the Suit. Um, John, if you could pull up the, the floor plan, I could run through the, the interior real quick. If anybody has any questions, please let me know. So as Kathleen stated, we're, we're taking over the, the vacant space, approximately 20,300 square feet. Um, this is a 60-bed facility for BioLife, um, 60 possible donors at one time. And, and the operation is by appointment only. So um, all all patients, all clients make appointments and show up at their allotted time. The, the process starts with um, each client going through a, a health screening process before they make any donations. That process at the first appointment lasts a couple hours and after they pass all the health screening, then they can come back and, and make their donation. Um, that They go through another smaller health screening before each donation and and the health screening and that donation can last 45 to maybe 60 minutes. Um, but basically you have the, the front entryway at the front of the, of the front of the building, similar to where Models was, that, that is for patients um, only. And um, all the operations are up front, the exam rooms, the waiting area are in the front, um, restrooms for, for, the, for the clients. There's some office area off to the side for staff and managers. And then the large area you can see kind of on the bottom of the floor pan is the 60 beds. Um, in, the, in the back of house is the plasma processing. There is a large freezer box kind of in the middle of that back of house where, where the plasma is stored. And then the rear of the building is the receiving um, area for, for dry goods that are used um, during the during the operation, I'd also like to point out there is a, a biohazard room off to the side that is a secured room um, that's accessed by staff only. And then the biohazard is removed by a, a national company that handles that material. As far as the exterior additions that Kathleen um, mentioned, you know, we're, we're, we'd be upgrading the facade as far as signage and painting at the back of the house be removing the existing loading dock, expanding it a little bit, and then adding a secured locked dumpster. And, and then there's a ramp, obviously, to get uh, material up and out um, of the building. And like Kathleen stated, the, the exterior work is very minimal, it would be cutting and removing some existing asphalt to put in new footings and foundations for the ramp and dumpster, and then, and then repaving around that. So very minimal impacts to the exterior. Um, Kathleen also covered the signage on the front of the building and an addition of a panel on one of the existing pylons. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have. Can you just explain the reefer trailer location that's there so, on the diagram? Yes, absolutely. I should obsess. Thank you. So the reefer trailer um, is just in case of emergency. The reefer trailer is not there permanently. In fact, it only shows up 
in case of a a power outage for an extended period of time, the plasma has to be stored um, at a very specific temperature um, so it can be processed later for, for medical purposes. So in case of an extended power outage or in the case of a freezer malfunction, um, BioLife has a national provider on call for all their centers all over the U.S. to bring in an emergency reefer trailer that the plasma would be stored in until the, the existing freezer can be repaired or the power comes back on. We, we, we put it on all our, um, all our applications and, and site plans. So everybody's aware that, you know, in case of a natural disaster and there's no power for an extended period of time, we do need to bring that reefer trailer in and save all that product. So, um, so it's some a kind of a refrigerated or freezer trailer is what. Yes. That is. Yes. It's basically a semi with, with, a with, a, a freezer, component on it um you know they, they go up and down the, the highway all the time you just don't notice them from another semi but basically as the semi trailer would be in their part and and the material would be stored in that okay thanks yeah members of the public watching might have some other like uh, might have some confusion if they're seeing a reefer trailer yep. understood yes and, and that's a very common question yes all right thank you are there other uh, proponents uh, who are going to present or questions about what has been presented by members of the board? We also have uh, Patrick uh, Dunford from BHB who will present on his traffic study that he performed uh, in conjunction with the project. And I believe Great, I saw thanks. Patrick here as well. I see him on there. Amanda, do you see him? There we go. Sorry about that. I couldn't get unmuted, needed permission. So with that out of the way, I'm uh, Pat Dunford, transportation engineer with VH. Sorry about that. No, not a problem. That's a, um, so uh, we had prepared a traffic evaluation for this project, um, May 24th. And I know the city engineering and planning staff had reviewed that. Uh, without going into too much detail, the reoccupancy of the space has a pretty negligible change in the overall trip generation for the plaza. So with that, there's not a lot of corresponding impact, as you'd expect. However, with any project, there's always an understanding that there is some degree of an impact from any new use coming in. So what the city staff had done was identify some um, kind of low-cost improvements that could um, benefit existing deficiencies in this area that this project could possibly implement. Uh, they had summarized that in a July 7th memorandum. I'm not sure if that's gone to the board, but I had a chance to talk with city staff about this and they drew those improvements, the potential suggested improvements out of a roadway safety audit, which is a road, um, it's a planning and safety evaluation of Route 28 at Riverside Avenue which had been done about three years ago. Uh, that actually was done on behalf of a project in Somerville as part of its state's uh, MEPA review process. Uh, that was the assembly project in uh, Assembly Square section of Somerville. Uh, that project already is obligated to pick up and implement uh, the majority of those improvements that were identified. So when we talked to the staff the other day, what we tried to do was identify improvements that this project could quickly and easily implement uh, without there being a lot of um, 
engineering soft cost or permitting or, you know, complexities of that nature, stuff where the most bang for the buck could be put out there to quickly fix existing problems, really unrelated to the new use in here. Um, so what we had done was put together a rough graphic highlighting some of these. Um, I did forward this to the city staff very late in the day, so I don't know that they've had a chance to review it. Uh, but I can walk you through. These are just some ideas that we have as to what could possibly be done out here. Um, the aerials are oriented in the same way as the site plan, so hopefully this will be fairly easy to follow along with. But I guess I can start in the right side and work my way left where Riverside Avenue, as you depart the signal at the Fellsway Route 28, uh, the speed limit as all city roadways is uh, 25 miles an hour is the de facto speed limit. And there's a sign posting that as people depart the intersection. Uh, I don't have exact measurements, but I know anecdotally there's been some speeding concerns there as people leave a congested roadway. A lot of times they pick up a, uh, their speed as they head around the corner past Commercial Street. So what we were suggesting uh, was that this project possibly implement a um, what's called a speed feedback sign as shown in the picture there. And you've probably seen these where it posts the speed limit, but at the same time, it also shows actually how fast you're going as a reminder to bring it down. Um, obviously, police enforcement is always the best way of doing this, but they can't be out there every hour of every day. So this serves as a, um, a reminder to motorists and studies have shown it's actually pretty effective at keeping speeds down. So as part of this project, I had identified a potential spot for that where it's right around where people start to pick up the speed. Uh, I think that would be a good location and it's relatively easy to put in. This is actually solar powered and it does appear there's room within the city right of way where this could be put along the uh, northerly side of Riverside Avenue facing that westbound traffic. Uh, so that's, that's something this project could take on and implement pretty quickly. Moving to the left at the, I guess, main driveway feeding the plaza off of Riverside Avenue. Um, probably, I'm trying to think how many years ago, but there was striping that was put in at the intersection, commonly referred to as don't block the box. Uh, simply put, it's striping on the roadway. So vehicles that are queued up at the signal don't block the driveway, which can be frustrating for people entering and exiting the site. Uh, that striping was put in place, but over time it's faded. So we were suggesting that's something we could pretty readily go out and restripe to get that effectiveness back where it needs to be. Um, something we'd be looking to do in conjunction with this. Um, Another theme that came up in the roadway safety audit was the need for bike accommodations in the area. And one um, pretty obvious deficiency we picked off through the project team was that there is a series of bike racks. It's um, eight racks capable of holding about 16 vehicles right in front of the paper store. That's right along the main drive aisle extending out to Route 28. And that drive aisle is about 35 feet wide today. Uh, which is more than ample for a single lane in each direction. Uh, the problem with that is that the speeds tend to pick up because it is so wide. So what we were looking to do, if you look on the top side of that section, it's 35 feet curb to curb. We're looking simply to restripe that. So it's the two 12 foot lanes and we can work with the city staff to figure if those should be 12 or 11, but basically maintaining single travel lanes in each direction but introducing bike lanes on both sides of the roadway. 
And this has the combined effect of giving a clearly designated, hopefully safer area for the bikers. And on the same side, it also effectively narrows the drivable width of the roadway for cars, which hopefully has a corresponding reduction in speeds. So that seemed like a pretty obvious connection where you have the bike racks up near the storefront, bikers uh, coming off of the Fellsway, and really no accommodations for them in between. So that's something that we could pretty quickly put in place. Uh, again, this is information like probably an hour ago, I just passed it along to the city staff. So I don't think they've had a chance to review, but I think it's in the spirit of what they were looking for, where it's quick, effective, not a lot of permitting or engineering design, but something that can help some existing deficiencies. Um, so I'd be happy to take any questions you might have on that, or I can just turn this back to Kathleen for further discussion. Well, let me uh, just take a moment because this is new information to invite uh, Medford tra uh, traffic engineer, uh, Todd Blake or city engineer, Tim McGivern to uh, if they wanna make any comments or respond to this at this point. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is Todd Blake, uh, director of traffic and transportation for the city of Medford. Um, we did receive this as Patrick said later, but you know, it does seem to fit the theme of what we were requesting to improve safety and enhance either pedestrian and or cycling to the site uh, with the hopes of reducing vehicle trips, which would therefore mitigate some of the impact of vehicle trips. Um, can everyone hear me okay? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, I think this, they did a good job with trying to identify and, and we do recognize that what Patrick said earlier in the, from the road safety audit, um, some other project, uh, I guess, is going to provide those things, but you know they haven't yet. So, but this this is a good alternative, I think. Um, there were a few other components that I noticed um, that could improve safety that seem pretty, you know, pretty minimal. And if they're going to be out striping the site anyways for that drive aisle. Uh, the three existing driveways along 28, they're all right, the ones that are exit are right exit only, but yet there's no right turn only markings or no left turn signage to indicate such. So if someone's leaving the site, there's the potential for people to turn left onto 28 uh, southbound incorrectly. So, so that's something that could be considered as well. But I think they did a great job um, trying to accommodate what what the intent was to reduce vehicle trips and to improve safety. Great, thank you, Mr. Blake. Uh, do board members have any questions or comments about this part of the presentation? Uh, Andre, I had a couple questions. I, yes, I just yeah. wanted, can you hear me? Yeah, yes. I just wanted to understand why none of the um, recommendations from Todd at the signalized intersection were included. That is because they're already proposed to be done. Because obviously if, it, if an RSA was done, uh, that means that it's one of the state's top high crash locations. Um, and some of them seemed like low hanging fruit, like checking the yellow and all red clearance intervals um, and adding back plates. So I was just wondering why those were not included. 
We should actually clarify the road safety audit was not done because of being a high crash location. It was done because of the project, because a private developer paid for it as part of their project down by assembly row. Okay, it is a, it is a HSIP cluster, I believe. This? So. If I could weigh in on that, it's actually a combination of the two. The study was done because it is, in fact, a high crash location, and the state agency, uh, MEPA, determined that that project should take that study on and implement the low-cost improvements that were identified. Uh, the study identified, I think the number was about 40 uh, low-cost improvements, and they are uh, obligated to put those in place, which includes some of the ones that you mentioned. Okay because there are a lot of concerning things about that intersection that um, are clear, like violations of any of the, you know, MUTCD or ADA uh, uh, requirements. So, um, but if they're going to be done anyways, then. Yeah, and I think to be- part of, Oh, I'm sorry, Pat, I don't mean to interrupt. I'll be quick on this um, and to okay. be clear, um, some of the signal related items that were identified um, are listed in what they categorize as medium cost being anywhere from 10,000 to 50,000. And I know the city's memorandum had suggested around a $12,000 impact roughly for this project. So once we take on some of the signal elements, uh, which I agree, there's a lot of deficiencies out here, but in terms of getting actual improvements in place, the stuff that I outlined earlier, we can actually make happen pretty quick and pretty effectively. Whereas the signal improvements are to any degree, a lot of that money is gonna to go towards, well, basically me and my company, which is great, but a lot of it's gonna get absorbed in permitting as opposed to actual improvements on the road, uh, which is why we tried to find stuff that we could make happen quicker. Okay. Thank you, Pat. Other board members have questions. And just a reminder to, uh, because we have this on the screen to uh, state your, your name before speaking. Andre, David. Hi, David, go ahead. Uh, just was curious to hear the reaction to Mr. Blake's suggestion about the right turn only signage. Um, is that something that could fall within the scope of these proposed improvements? Um, assuming that one's over to me, um, again, what we tried to do was find items that were directly under city control and city jurisdiction. Uh, I'm not gonna pretend that a right turn on red is a complicated matter, but it is a DCR signal. So it introduces an outside uh, state agency um, where we felt we could do things more effectively and more applicable instead of that. Not to say that measure isn't needed, just maybe not in behalf of this project. Lanford, and this is Andre LaRue, the, the chair. I do have two questions myself. One is along Riverside Avenue with this the 25 mile per hour speed limit sign. I'm wondering if there's, if you think it might be worthwhile pulling it back closer to the intersection because just knowing how uh, vehicles exit from the plaza over the box and then usually there's like site uh, you know problems with vehicles that are coming quickly down Riverside Ave the other way I don't know if you think it might be worth putting the signage closer like before the box 
or if there's some other way of, uh, of improving safety there for those that are turning left out of the plaza onto Riverside Ave heading east. I mean, the current location does capture those exiting the plaza. Um, we could look at maybe shifting it another like 150 feet or so. I don't think I'd want it between the signal and the driveway to the plaza. And I don't think you're suggesting that, but I think maybe a little bit close to the intersection we could certainly look at as long as we're still capturing those people coming out of the plaza. And uh, again, that speed limit is more global, that's citywide, that's not just for this roadway, but it's a good right. reminder, which is why the sign's there. So yes, we can certainly look at moving that. Right, and I, I do, you know, I appreciate the, what your, the suggestions that you put forth here. The other one that I do have though, that I don't see is uh, in terms of the bike racks, the existing bike racks are, are not really great bike racks that are there. They were really just like thrown in some, you know, cement. And literally there's like, you're standing next to a very busy parking area. It's on an island. So I'm wondering whether there's, and there's no uh, bike racks, I don't believe towards the end of the plaza where, you know, this project will be happening. So I'm wondering whether there's an opportunity to put in bike racks uh, down that end of the plaza. I'd need to take a closer look at the site plan for that. Um, the bike racks where they are, are certainly serviceable. I'd need to see if that involves eliminating uh, parking spaces or other geometric space um, changes. So I'd need to consult with uh, Ty and Bond on that one as to if there's room to put in additional bike racks. Not a huge expense and there's a lot of bang for the buck there. So we're not yeah. against it. I just want to make sure I can deliver if I promise that something would do. Part of the difficulty um, with the parking spaces that, that Patrick mentioned, and I included it in the written statement, is that um, the, the owner of the parcel is subject to a three-way agreement uh, between the other owners that require that they maintain a certain level of parking spaces that they can't go below. Um, that is a restriction. It's a deed restriction contained um, in all of the deeds, and I believe I gave the, the, the deed citation in my... Um, in my written statement, and I have a copy of, of the, the restriction as well, but um, they're very limited in some ways as to what they can do with parking. Uh, were, I, I know in speaking with Karen Johnson that they've tried to negotiate the changes in that agreement to no avail. Um, so at this point, if it, if it takes a parking space, that's gonna create issues with the other two abutters per the agreement. And that agreement runs through 2035. Can I ask a question? Yes, up on Quest, that? please. Um, I assume that there's a certain amount of parking that's being um, given to this project as part of as part of the project, or is it, or is it is it a pooled parking arrangement? It, it, it's a pool parking lot to the extent that there's more parking than is um, required for any of. Of, of, the, um, of the various businesses. In other words, um, the requirement is one per 350 square feet uh, floor area. Uh, and the, the parking as it stands now under the agreement is 4.1 parking spaces per 1,000 square feet as between the three, um, the three owners of the development. So there is definitely sufficient parking within um, the the property to accommodate the use that, that's being used. I mean, I, I guess where I'm going with this is, I'm just wondering if, if uh, this project would 
um, offer to give up a parking space or two to create uh, an enhanced bike parking area, which seems like a, probably a good location to do it in front of this parcel because it's sort of right on the corner, you know, right at the, the center of the, of the, of the mall. Um, it would be, it would be good for access to the whole thing. Um, I, I definitely second what Andre asked. I think um, including a, an enhanced bike area for the, for the whole mall. I mean, it's area. certainly something that, that we could look at. And as Patrick said, he doesn't know without, you know, looking yeah, at it okay. further, whether it would even require spaces to be eliminated. Right. Um, but, but then, you know, we may based on the agreement have to find spaces elsewhere for, um, to, to, to stay at the threshold that's required per the I mean, agreement. Unfortunately, I know I know there are there are equations involved, but I also know that um, 99.99% of the time this parking lot's half empty. So <clears throat> um, my second question was, um, have you considered the addition of any trees in and around um, the, the parking areas here? So in, in terms of um, the Fellsway, and John, can you um switch to, I think it's the, the site plan that shows where we have. Um, so in, in terms of um, this particular project, and if you compare this particular parcel with the parcels adjacent to it, um, the Fellsway has really tried to, 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 to do landscaping in those areas that would allow them to maintain um, the, the parking requirements that are required. If you look, they, and this is just a sample, I, I have quite a few photos of, um, of trees that they have planted and, and plantings, and they're much more mature at this point than they were. But they have basically attempted to put landscaping in those areas where um, they're permitted to. Um, in addition, they maintain um, seasoned planters, you'll see on, on front of all of the buildings, and those rotate uh, between spring, fall, and summer plantings. And they've, they've put benches in. And I, I know that uh, the chairman takes issue with the, the types of bike racks that are in there, but, but they have attempted to do those things which the board likes to see. And, and, and we knew this was going to be a question, uh, certainly, uh, but the issue is really what they're bound to in terms of the agreement with the other two owners. And the spaces that they have are the spaces that that are required. And I can, if I can share my, I can actually Kathleen, share my screen. Hi Kathleen, it's Karen Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, I, sure, just before you do that, Kathleen, I just, I just noticed that the- Karen, I'm sorry, could you introduce yourself, please? I apologize, Karen Johnson. I'm with Charter Realty and Development. We're the owners of Fellsway Plaza. We've owned it since 2013. I was just noticing to your point about bike racks, I, this, there's diagonal parking in front of the proposed BioLife right at the, exactly, thank you, John, right at the notch really of the building. I think we could probably slide those diagonal spaces down because you see there's an area in the front that's striped. We could slide those down and do a small um, area for bike racks at the end of that parking row. I think that would work out nicely without losing any spaces. That would be welcome. Thank you for the suggestion. And, and we can take a, a closer look at the surface. Um, it, it looks like it's crushed 
stone. I, I have not biked there and parked my bike there, but it looks like it's crushed stone. So we can take an, take a look at the surface or even um, doing some sort of protection around the perimeter, whether it's making the curb height slightly higher or um, even a low level uh, wood fence or something like a wood guardrail. I think, I, think, I mean, those are very, very simple things for us to implement. And if it makes it more attractive for bikers to bike to this location, I think it's to everyone's benefit. So I think those are two very good points that you made. We can, we can certainly take a closer look at implementing those and work with staff. Karen, in terms of the history, um, could you just, you know, because you have made certain landscaping improvements and I, and I think, you know, when, when you drive through that area, it's really the only area that's, that's landscaped. Um, and, and, and I think you've done what you can. Is that, is that fair to say? It's, it is a challenge. And, and, you know, right after we purchased the property, we were able to redevelop um, that down abandoned parcel adjacent to Riverside, which has been very successful and three restaurants and, and we're very pleased that they're still doing fairly well, even through this rather difficult period for restaurant operators. Um, we also permitted Planet Fitness. So those two applications involved special permits. Um, when we came through with the Planet Fitness application, uh, we did make several, and, and I think these photos are helpful. Um, we did make, <clears throat> excuse me, several improvements to those existing um, landscaped areas. And these photos were actually taken right after the landscaping went in. They're a bit more mature now and fuller. Um, we also maintained, which I think was something that the prior owner um, did not do out there. Um, <clears throat> as Kathleen mentioned, this is a property that was originally um, is originally part of three different owners. It was developed in 1959 when they first entered into this reciprocal easement agreement, which really restricts all three properties out there, including the Ocean State and the Aldi slash Lowe's Appliance Anchored Center. So we are very limited in terms of what we for uses for what we can do for new development out here. Um, and frankly, in terms of parking, um, we are grossly overparked. I understand that, but we cannot change it. It's unfortunate. There are so many things that we would like to do here, but we are unable to do it. And so what we're trying to do is retenant an existing space, add some life to the center in terms of foot traffic, um, and uh, obviously reletting out a 20,000 square foot space is really significant for us. For clarifying that. Uh, any comments from any other board members before we open the, the hearing up to members of the public? Okay, hearing none. Uh, I'm wondering if we could stop sharing the screen here. Do you so want me to read in the request oh, yeah. at this point? Yes, thank you, Attorney Desmond. If you could review that, that'd be great. Sure, I don't know if I can put that on my screen so that you have it as well. So the request for waivers all derive from section 94, 334C1. Um, and, and the first requires 
uh, a location of use and structures within 100 feet of the property line. Uh, the applicant is requesting a waiver from this requirement as the intended substitution of use does not contemplate any substantial exterior changes or modify the existing building, which is over 50 years old. So we're requesting um, that the plan not require those structures within 100 feet. Uh, the second request requires locations, elevations, and dimensions, section F, of existing and proposed buildings or other structures showing setbacks from property lines. While we showed much of that, we didn't show the elevations of the entire proposed structure, um, and, the, and the structure isn't proposed, it's existing. So the applicant is requesting a waiver from this requirement, particularly with regard to the elevations and dimensions of the existing building, as the substitution relates only to a portion of the structure and does not contemplate substantial exterior changes or modifications to the building. Section I, I requires existing and proposed contour elevations in one foot. Um, again, we're not changing any of the exterior elements, um, and this is just essentially a retrofit of an, the interior of an existing space. Um, so we're asking for a waiver as to that. Um, J requires proposed surfacing. The applicant is seeking a waiver from this requirement as there are no contemplated changes to the project site, including the existing sidewalks and parking areas. Um, and O requires landscaping and screening, including trees, stone walls, fences, and other features to be retained or removed. Again, this is a situation where we're not really changing the exterior uh, of, the, of the structure and it's only a portion of the building that is actually being retrofitted. Um, P, which requires outdoor lighting, including location and intensity of lighting. Um, again, we're looking for a waiver of that requirement as this is a substitution of use and there are no contemplated changes in, to the existing outdoor lighting. And actually, um, I should mention too that as part of what they did in terms of um, improving the site, I believe all of the lighting is LED lighting at this point. Um, and that's something to point out. So those are the, the um, waivers that we're requesting. Um, and as the uh, report from the city engineer indicates, he took no exception to those requests. Great. Thank you, Attorney Desmond. I'd like to open the, uh, the hearing to members of the public. Uh, is there anyone who would like to speak? You can raise your hands um, or mention in the chat that you'd like to speak and we can unmute you. And um, Andre, Ken Krause has raised his hand, he'd like to speak. All right, thank you, Ken. Go ahead. Uh, thank you, Ken Krause, uh, 50 Mystic Street in Medford. Um, I don't have a comment uh, pro or con the the project i did want to share just a few observations from listening though um i was glad to see the <clears throat> emphasis in the traffic study on improving uh, bicycle access but there's still with the plaza overall is a, a very severe shortcoming in pedestrian access i believe there are seven uh vehicle accesses to the property and there's only one uh, that has any kind of pedestrian lane, if you will, to get from the street to the complex. Um, fortunately, that's the one that's the, the bike path, bike lanes are being added, but this isn't necessarily related to this addition or change, but from Riverside Avenue, it's very dangerous for people walking. 
they turn into the entrance where all the vehicles are and just walk within the traffic. And so at some point it would be helpful to try to um, correct that. The second thing is I think um, the part, the, the comment about the, the, the site being grossly overparked is true, uh, but I disagree that you can't change it. I mean, there may be restrictions, but I think there is an opportunity to relook at that in a new way, particularly through the city's um, uh, vulnerability preparedness program. We're looking at heat islands throughout the city and ways to reduce those. And just looking at this aerial view, I would suspect that this is a heat island and perhaps there's a way to reduce the parking through some uh, program or effort through the municipal um, vulnerability preparedness. And then just the last comment, if I could, for the community development board, for the benefit of the public, it would very be, be very helpful if more information about these plans could be presented in the agenda. A lot of people find out about these projects through the agenda and 640 to 760 Fellsway is a large complex and it could be any number of buildings. There's some other vacancies there and no information about what is proposed, what's the nature of the business that's going in that. I think it's very vague and more information that could be put through the agenda would be very helpful. So for future meetings, I would, I would ask that you consider that in addition to any public hearing notice that might appear in the paper. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. Those are all great uh, points. And I'm wondering if uh, Karen would like to respond to any of them. So I, I think you know, maybe we say things like a reciprocal easement agreement with two other parties, and it's not entirely clear what that means. Um, it's effectively a, a set of covenants and restrictions within the deed. It's recorded in the land records and every property owner is bound by it and, 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 and successors in title until 2035. And as I, as I noted earlier, um, I think I, I misspoke in that the property was developed in 1959. It was not, it was already developed prior to that, but in 1959, these three property owners entered into this agreement. And the agreement was intended to, in some ways, protect all of the property owners from competing uses. In other ways, it was to provide benefits to all of the property owners for the purposes of having um, reciprocal easements. So each party to the agreement is the beneficiary of these easements. So a reciprocal easement agreement essentially says, I as a property owner am going to agree to all of these restrictions and I'm also going to get all the benefits of it. And so this was actually renewed um, in the late 80s. I forget, I think it was 1988. <laughs> it was renewed um, and an entire new set of restrictions and somewhat benefits were agreed to at that time. And one of those was the restriction that each property owner and throughout the entire three properties maintain a ratio um, in Kathleen, it's 4.5 spaces per thousand square feet of floor area. And so when I say it's grossly overparked, I say that in relation to what we know now in terms of shared parking offset peak uses. Really, if you, if you laid this out and did an ITE analysis, for example, on shared uses, 
you would probably need no more than, you know, three and a half, maybe per thousand, maybe that's probably even high. We know that the city of Medford requirements are also much lower than that. So we almost have to wait this out until 2035. We've already tried on several instances to come to an understanding with the other um, parties to this agreement. Uh, we've been trying since prior to when we bought the property. We bought it in 2013, as I noted. Before we even closed on it, we reached out to Kimco and we reached out to Ocean State. And they're still the same owners of the other properties saying, look, let's modernize this. Let's look at taking out some of these use restrictions that we're all subject to. Let's look at doing some different and interesting things collectively with Fellsway Plaza. And we got, we got nowhere. And frankly, we try every year. Um, one of the restrictions is there's a view line easement. And if you saw from John Lorden's, uh, from Ty and Bond's plan, there's a very dark line that goes across uh, parallel to the frontages of both um, uh, uh, Kimco's property and uh, perpendicular to Ocean State's property, which I'm sure you're aware used to be stop and shop. Those are restrictive areas that regardless of zoning, we cannot build on. We can't even put a pylon sign on it. So I, I hear you. Um, there are lots of great things that we all know about now that um, the property owners, I think, in the 80s when they, when they renegotiated this agreement, didn't know about. And as we approach 2035, if we're still the owners of this property, trust me, many of these things will be renegotiated in a positive manner because we see tremendous value in this location. Um, I've had several conversations with Todd and Tim, um, most recently Tim, about what can we do? Uh, we also own the Tower Plaza in the rear. Um, our architect, Tom Scott, is also uh, available if you have any questions about the architecture and the design. We've looked at many feasibility analysis, obviously with something like Wellington Circle developed. This is the next logical step to a transit-oriented development. We'd love to do so many things here and we'll, we'll hopefully wait this out and we'll be talking to you in 2035 about what a great new <laughs> modern, um, uh, you know, uh, sustainable project uh, we can present to you. And until then, we have to figure out a way to make this a financially viable project. So hopefully we're all still around, Karen. But that's, that's thank you. I do appreciate your comments, yeah. Ken, and they're obviously very well informed. I'm in agreement with you. Um, right now we gotta we gotta pay the bills. So right. And so that that sight line, I was shocked when I learned about this. So that includes even planting trees because it can block the sight line. Is that that's correct, right? Which is why Everything. The trees around the outside. And we can't so, put any more trees in there anyway because we can't take off any, take away any parking spaces. So I think, you know, again, I think it was Todd had a great suggestion for the restriping. Um, we will absolutely look at more opportunities for, for bicycle parking and make it a little more um, amenable to a, to a bicyclist. Yeah, and I, I do, I mean, I wish I'd brought this up myself. So Ken, thank you for, for doing it. I, I do agree with the comment that people are walking to the plaza in the driveways. So that is a pretty dangerous situation. I don't know if there's anything that you could do to, uh, to improve that situation. 
we looked at it um, when we were doing the Planet Fitness project, and it's it does get a little cumbersome over there um, because the Riverside parcels are that's a whole other title issue environmental story. Um, but that section, then, and John, I don't know if you can put your your plan up again. That section is very narrow. I don't remember the exact dimension. Um, I know we looked at the possibility of adding a sidewalk at that point and we could not make it work with the setbacks on the riverside and then with the amount of frontage that we own on the Fellsway side. But we'll, we'll take another look at it. I, I will take another look at it. I, I agree with you. I wondered if I could just take a moment to address one of Ken's other um, comments, which had to do with um, just access to plans um, and like more information in the agenda um, about, you know, the different projects on, and items on the list. Um, wholeheartedly agree. And I think moving forward, we're going to put more of that information on there. Uh, but just for so that folks know on the Med, on Medford's website page for the Office of Planning Development and Sustainability, um, if you scroll down to the Community Development Board, there is a tab that says um, current CD board filings and all of the uh, open filings that are um, you know, on the agenda, et cetera, are all of the plans and information are, are nestled in there. Um, and that information is put in the uh, public hearing notice. Um, but I think moving forward, we'll put that in the agenda as well. So thank you, Ken. It's Amanda. And uh, for those of you on Zoom, uh, Alicia Hunt, our planning director, put the, the link directly into the chat. Great. Uh, Todd Blake. Right, thank you, Mr. Chair. I was just going to follow up on Ken's good comments about pedestrian access. We did highlight that as well as the cycling access. And um, there may be some things that may be easier, you know, possibly for the uh, proponents to consider, like painting crosswalks across those driveways off the Fellsway. And then I'm looking at the other drive aisle, the other main drive aisle, that's the one way in from the signal. And it also looks painted very wide for traveling in each direction. So there may be the opportunity to paint, if you will, paint a shoulder, which may act as a walkway in lieu of a sidewalk, um, if a sidewalk was too, you know, much of an ask. Thank you, Ms. Blake. Uh, any other members of the public would like to speak? use the raise your hand function, or I don't know if the community development folks, if we've gotten any emails or phone calls. I haven't, uh, I'm gonna check now, but I don't believe we've received any emails um, or phone calls on the matter. Give me one second, just to look at the inbox. And uh, Attorney Desmond, in the, in the meantime, there were some other letters by department heads, including the fire department. Uh, no, right. no, no, we have no objections with anything. No, no problems uh, with any of the um, other department head comments. And, and we had a very productive uh, meeting and conversation with um, the engineering department. It didn't occur till yesterday based on scheduling conflicts and vacations, but um, you know, I think it was beneficial to all. Well, I think we're getting close to the point of uh, being able to entertain a motion um, with some uh, kind of project uh, 
maybe you know mitigation uh, that is negotiated by the the city's uh, traffic department, um, and I think we can I can give them the we can delegate the responsibility to to kind of finalize that package. But I think what we've seen here tonight's a good step forward, and I think what the proponent has. Uh, you know, exhibited some some willingness to talk about that further. Andre, sorry, if I might, I just wanted to make sure. Um, one of the comments in the engineering letter was uh, that the building might be within the jurisdiction of the Conservation Commission because we do know that there is wetland on the other on the on the adjacent property. We had the city's environmental agent, Dennis McDougall, review that, and he did the measurements and said that it's actually about 140 feet from the wetland. While it's only 70 feet from the property line here, it is um, clearly sufficiently far from the wetland in his opinion that it's outside the jurisdiction. And I just wanted to state that clearly for the record, since it was in the engineering letter, um, Dennis did agree that the engineering suggestion that there should be per perimeter sediment barriers, straw wattles was of course a good, good suggestion. We always like to see that. So we are the, just for the board members to, uh, to understand, we are kind of the, the special permit granting uh, board for this project. So it won't go anywhere else. We need to, um, we're in charge of, a, of approval of the project um, with uh, conditions. So I think just to summarize, I think what we've heard, there's some conditions that are in the, uh, the fire chief's letter um, that the proponent has no objection to. There is um, some uh, traffic uh, mitigation measures, including uh, restriping for bicycles and pedestrians, um, looking at expanding the bike parking um, and a, kind of a speed uh, signage, kind of feedback sign on Riverside Ave. Uh, am I missing any other conditions? Andre, we've been jotting these down in a way that we could read them back to the board. Great. That's we, perfect. So yes, we want could you do that now? So the proponent's traffic mitigation proposal in lieu of the uh, ones proposed in the letter to the board by, from the traffic engineer are to install a westbound Riverside Ave speed feedback sign, which would be solar install new speed limit 25 mile MPH sign on Riverside Ave, install bike lanes on the main parking lot drive aisle within the parking lot, repaint the do not block the box striping on Riverside Ave. Those were the ones they proposed. The other ones, and I'd like the proponent to confirm that the, these next two we've captured appropriately that for you, that they would and I actually want to add this, uh, review, and if possible, slide the diagonal parking spaces down and create a small area of bike racks at the end of the parking row, including protection for the bike area, such as guardrails or curbing. Does that sound? Okay. And then the on John's, on the, excuse me, the tie and bond plan, it, it looks almost like it says, seven, but I think there's 11 spaces there. So um, it's, it's this single lane of diagonal 
off the notch of the building, just, just to be clear. Um, partially, I want to capture these very accurately because you get the permit, you do the work. When you win the occupancy permit, someone from our office will take this list and say, did these things occur? Right. We want to make sure that they're that we're going to be able to review them and right. get them. Um, and then property owner will revisit the opportunity to add sidewalks to the dry vial in the future or potentially paint. Um, I want to say curb, I did not curb, paint a, I didn't capture the right word. Pedestrian not a pedestrian pathway? Yeah, a pedestrian pathway, yep. Okay. Um, so I guess for those two, um, rather than try to hold things up, uh, if you as the owner find that you cannot do those things, then we would ask you to give us something in writing that shows this is the measurements, this is why we can't do those things. Alicia, um, if, I, if I could as well, um, the engineer's mm -hmm. report had a restriction of $12,000 as a cap and this project um, if they were resuiting this for retail space, we wouldn't be going through the site plan special permit process. So as part of this is they're also going to pay a linkage fee and that linkage fee is upwards of $40,000. So we really did appreciate that cap that was instituted because, you know, at some point the project doesn't become feasible and, and that's right. kind of an anchor to the, so that, we that, should have said that at the beginning, there is a linkage fee and our this is a 20,000 square foot project, right? Correct. Our calculations was that the linkage fee was going to be on the order of 20,000 square feet. Well, or $20,000. That's better than um, what Kim thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, I think it was a little bit more than 20,000. I thought it was more like 34,000. So the, um, so you have to actually, so um, I will, for the record, the link after the, the, the site plan review is completed, then the applicant needs to fill out the linkage program application for linkage fees. And based on that is when the, the building commissioner will certify the amount of linkage. However, it is an amount that is per 1000 square feet of gross floor area. And the commercial number is, oh, this, Amanda, this sheet says 1,700. Why were we using a number of 1,000 in our meeting this morning? Um, maybe we were looking at, there's like a separate fee for the non-southeastern part of right. Bedford. Um, so I, I did go back and I think it is closer to 34,000. 34,000, because this is clearly in southeastern Medford. Right, okay. Yeah. Right, so you're right, sorry. So 34,000 is... Approximately, it's based on the exact square footage of the, the renovation. Building commissioner will finalize that. We don't have, it's not something that the board needs to uh, to do. This is just, just for informational purposes. So. Okay, so um, Amanda, I'm assuming there are no further questions or comments from the public have come in. Okay, nope, so I'm gonna close, what, what, Ken just throw something into the chat. Looking down the road, can these linkage funds be directed back into pedestrian access improvements to this plaza rather than just go into the overall linkage fund pool? That's a question for you, Alicia, I think. The 
problem is, so the linkage fund is for um, improvements on public facilities and it is a privately owned property. Um, so one thing that I, I would reach out, I said offline, but um, through the economic development director, we're gonna reach out to the property owners to see if there, there is anything that the city can do um, when the, the program that Ken was referring to is a grant funded program. And so I'm wondering if there, uh, what the, the opportunities might be there to work with the proper, with all three property owners as a city um, to see if there's an ability to get any grant to help with changing of the agreements. Um, but I will reach out to them offline. I do not, legally, I do not believe that we can use linkage fees on private property. All right, thank you. Um, appreciate that uh, effort, Alicia. So I would like to uh, close the public comment portion of the public hearing and uh, open up to deliberation and motion by uh, the board members. Any, any further comments or discussion by board members? Is there a motion on the floor? That would include the, the conditions in the letters by the fire department, the uh, Board of Health, and the, uh, the list that Alicia uh, dictated to us. So what I captured was in the engineering letter, except not the traffic recommendations. So that would include like the silt, the straw wattles, on that. Oh, I think we also, I was actually gonna say, I think we need a motion to approve the waivers they requested. Um, I'm not clear that we can just do that administratively. And do we, can we do one motion for all the waivers or do we have to do them separately? Okay. One motion for all the waivers, unless somebody's gonna to object to one of them. Okay, is there a, a, a Andre, this is David. Yes, David. Could I offer a motion to approve the requested waivers? Thank you. As uh, stated in the, as requested in the proponent's uh, letter, um, is there a second on the floor? I'll second. This is Deanna, I'll second. On that second, um, I'll get you next time, Quest. Um, uh, roll call vote. Deanna Peabody. Aye. Christy Dowd. Aye. Jackie Furtado. Aye. Bus Andreessen. Aye. David Blumberg. Aye. And I'm an aye as well. So the motions to uh, approve the waivers as requested by the project propo proponent uh, are unanimously uh, approved. Next, I would entertain a motion to approve the site plan uh, with special permit uh, for with the conditions um, that have been articulated by our planning director uh, on the project. Andre, I'll make motion. that motion. Thanks, Quest. Uh, is there a Andre, second? Andre, this is David. I can second that. All right, thank you, David. 
Uh, roll call vote. Deanna Peabody. Aye. Christy Dowd. Aye. Jackie Furtado. Aye. Plus Andreasen. Aye. David Blumberg. Aye. And I'm an aye as well. The uh, site plan approval with special permit uh, unanimously uh, passes. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time and have a nice evening. Thank you. Thanks for all the proponents who came and for the information you shared. All right, the next item on the agenda is a, another public hearing, a proposed amendment to chapter 94 zoning to alter the membership structure of the Medford Zoning Board of Appeals. Uh, let me just, come on a moment while I pull up that. So All right, as, oh, I was gonna just say, Andre, as you're pulling up the this, just for background for the <coughs> members, this is in fact the same thing you saw before. There was a, a timing problem legally with the, um, the process before. And so it was re referred to us by the city council. There is nothing changed. There is no, no changes in any of it. It is simply the um, re-referral. Uh, so the public hearing notice is the Medford Community Development Board shall conduct public hearing on Wednesday, July 21st, 2021, after 6.30 p.m. via Zoom remote video conferencing relative to a petition by Mayor Brianna Lungo-Keen to amend Chapter 94 zoning of the revised ordinances, City of Medford, Section 94-35A, to change the structure of the Medford Zoning Board of Appeals from three members and one associate member to five members and two associate members. The full text of the amendment may be viewed in the office of the city clerk, city hall room 103, or on the city's website by clicking on current CD board filings. Uh, we've already mentioned that pursuant to chapter 20 of the acts of 2021, this hearing of the Medford Community Development Board is conducted via remote means. I would like to call this public hearing to order. Uh, we just heard from our, our planning director, uh, Alicia Hunt, that this is just a, a, a re-referral. Um, I don't know if, uh, Amanda, you wanted to add any, any details to that. Uh, no new details. Um, I checked with the clerk's office today and yeah, it's just been resubmitted to the board for consideration. Um, yes. And yeah, yep. Oh, go ahead. Nope, that was it. <laughs> okay. Um, so board members, this is something we've already deliberated on and voted on, uh, but let me ask you whether you have any further comments or questions for discussion before I open it up to members of the public. Okay, hearing none, I would like to open the public participation portion of the hearing. Uh, any members of the public that would like to to comment, please use the raise the hand function on your Zoom screen or to email or call the community development uh, office uh, or if you can drop comments or questions in the, in the Zoom chat as well. I'm just gonna give a moment for anybody to, to do that.
And for anybody who's listening remotely, I'll just remind you that the email address is ocd at medford-ma.gov. And the phone number is 781-393-2480. All right, seeing none. And Amanda, I uh, assume no, you've gotten nothing? No calls, no emails. Okay, great. Then I will close the public participation portion of the, the hearing and open it up for deliberation and a motion by uh, board members. Andre, this is Jackie. Um, Jackie Furtado, vice chair. I just wanted to just reiterate really quickly that this is, um, the current membership is obviously too small and, and uh, for, to, diver, to um, represent the diversity of the city. And that's why the mayor is calling for this. It's also burdensome for the board members, um, only having three members, one alternate. I make a mo motion to um, recommend it right back so that hopefully it can, it can get done this time. Great, thank you. Um, and uh, let me just read this because I should have done this earlier, but just to remind everyone that the letter uh, this board sent to the city council included, uh, basically said, board recommends that the council consider reincorporating language related to the staggering of terms that is present in the existing ordinance by inserting the following in the sentence, second sentence after the phrase term of three years, quote, which shall be staggered so that the terms of not more than two members expire annually. Um, that we had, we had added that to the, uh, that recommendation to the city council. Um, so if we make a motion, we may wanna consider including that language as well. So Jackie, did you, uh, was that a formal motion you, you made? It is a formal motion. I just didn't have all the language, but I will do a motion to what you just said. <laughs> okay, great. Well, uh, we will resend our exact same recommendation uh, to the city council. Um, is uh, Andre, a motion is, on? Yes, this David. is David. I'd, I'd like to second that motion to uh, resubmit our exact same recommendations. It's the last time. That's great. Great. Thank you, David. Uh, roll call vote. Deanna Peabody. Aye. Christy Dowd. Aye. Jackie Furtado. Aye. Les Andreasen. Aye. David Blumberg. Aye. And I'm an I as well. The board unanimously uh, passes a motion to resubmit to the city council our recommendations to expand the, uh, uh, the zoning board of appeals. Thank you. Great, thank you. We'll update the date on the letter and ask you to just resign it. Great, thank you so much, Director Hunt. Uh, the next uh, item on the agenda is a site, pl site plan review recommendation to the Board of Appeals for 200 Boston Avenue. And just a reminder that since the ZBA is the special permit granting authority for this project, uh, our role is site plan review and making a set of recommendations to the ZBA for their uh, consideration as they approve uh, or you know, debate the project. Andre, this is David. Yeah, let me, David, let me just uh, read the public hearing notice. Hold on one moment.
Sorry, everyone, as I toggle all my windows. Uh, courtesy meeting notice. The Medford Community Development Board shall conduct a meeting on July 21st, 2021 after 6 p.m. via Zoom remote video conferencing relative to an application for site plan review submitted by Simmons Properties, LLC and represented by Cummings Properties to construct a three-story addition to an existing structure at 200 Boston Avenue to be used as a research and testing laboratory facility. This is an allowed use in an industrial zoning district. The project is subject to a site plan review special permit as per the City of Medford Zoning Ordinance, Chapter 94, Section 94-331, and requires approvals from the Board of Appeals. Therefore, the Community Development Board will perform a site review and submit its recommendations to the Zoning Board, who will be the Special Permit Granting Authority for the Site Plan Review Special Permit. Plans for this project may be viewed in the Office of Planning, Development, and Sustainability, City Hall Room 308, or on the City's website by clicking on Current CD Board Filings. Uh, again, if you members of the public would like to uh, submit comments or questions via email, the email address is ocd at medford-ma.gov. Uh, or via phone to 781-393-2480. Thank you. Uh, David Blumberg. Andre, thank you. This is David. Um, I will have to recuse myself from this matter as uh, the applicant is my employer presenting an obvious conflict. So I will uh, go ahead and mute myself and suppress my uh, video and not participate on this one. Great, thank you uh, very much, David. Uh, let me invite the project proponent to, uh, to give a presentation about uh, what we're looking at. I think we have Mike uh, Avini from a senior project architect with Cummings Properties, is that right? Yes, correct, thank you so much. Thank you to Community Development Board for having us in the public members of the public for joining us this evening. My name is Michael Avani. I'm a senior project architect with Cummings Properties. With me this evening on this call is Brian Marahi. He's a project engineer here at Cummings Properties. Dennis Clark, chairman and CEO of Cummings Properties. And our traffic consultant, Rodney Emery of World Tech Engineering. We are here this evening seeking a recommendation from the Community Development Board to construct in addition to the existing building at 200 Boston Ave. More specifically, as the chair stated earlier, and as stated by the building commissioner, Paul Mulkey in his permit refusal letter dated June 3rd, 2021, the project requires a zoning, a finding by the Zoning Board of Appeals. In this case, the Community Development Board conducts site plan review and provides a recommendation to the Zoning Board of Appeals. Brief. Summary of the project, consistent with the recommendation of the February 2012 Metropolitan Area Planning Council study to evaluate the benefits and the impacts of the Green Line extension, the applicant proposes to redevelop an existing single level parking structure into a five-story structure consisting of approximately 67,000 gross square feet of mixed-use research and testing facility, life sciences as well including an additional 133 structured parking spaces. Up to approximately 6,100 gross square feet on the ground level could be purposed 
as a commercial retail amenity space. I'd like to share a brief recap of how we got to this evening. In December of 2020, Dennis Clark, the chairman and CEO of Cummings Properties, myself, and one of our tenants in 200 Boston Ave, met with the mayor and the mayor's chief of staff to introduce the project. With the support of the mayor's office, in January of 2021, we participated in a virtual meeting to introduce the project to several Medford city officials, including Alicia Hunt, the director of planning, Victor Schrader, the director of the economic development director, Building Commissioner Paul Mokey, Director of Traffic and Transportation, Todd Blake, Chief Buckley of the Med Medford Police Department, Chief Gilliberti of the Medford Fire Department, and Medford City Engineer Tim McGibbon. With the support of and the coordination by the Mayor's Office, on April, in April of 2021, we participated in a virtual community outreach meeting, introducing the project to the neighborhood. Again, we took all the things, the, the in, input that we got from the December meeting, kind of rolled it into a package that we shared with the community in April. In May, we submitted a building permit application for the project. In June, we submitted a site plan review applica uh, application. That brings us to today. So what I'd like to share with you is a presentation that is a combination of all the information that we've gathered and picked up over the last six months based on the various meetings that we've had. And to share with you some the municipal approval package that we submitted and go through that piece by piece. The first thing I'd like to do though, is if Amanda, you would allow me to share the screen. You should be all set. Okay, screen one. Okay, can um, I shared screen one, I'll share. Bear with me one second, I'm just, uh, See if we can get this right. So we wanna share the sound. I wanna optimize this video. I'd like to share with you um, a video that kind of gives you a flavor of what the project is all about. It's a short two minute rendering. Bear with me one second.
Everybody still there? Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I don't know what's going on. I can't, for some reason, I've lost everybody. Um, let me just get back here. Okay, so I will, if you bear with me one second, let me go one step back here. So I'd like to kind of, uh, oh, wrong one. Hold on. Sorry. You guys can't see that either. Um, this one. Well, as I said before, old guy with technology here. We're just uh, move this over. So what I'd like to do is run through some of the pieces that were submitted as part of the municipal approval submission documents. Can everybody see what I have on my screen? Yes. Fantastic. So again, this is the proposed addition to the building at 200 Boston Ave. The view you're looking at here is uh, the northern elevation of the building looking south. Um, but, okay. um, this is, again, an illustration taken from that video. A lot of these slides are similar to what was on the, the video here, but this is our vision of the project looking north um, up Boston Ave. The garage, the garage is in the, in the foreground. The proposed three-story leasable building is kind of further south. This is our vision, again, the north, the north elevation of this project looking south. In the background there, you can see the elevated pedestrian walkway that will connect the two, um, the two structures, uh, making them kind of one. This is the first slide in the submission package that we submitted to the Community Development Board and subsequently the Zoning Board of Appeals, showing some of the existing conditions, um, an existing looking south, an existing um, looking east, a photo looking east from across Boston Ave at the existing single level parking structure that's there now. This photo here is looking north down Boston Ave kind of a locust plan of where it is. I know it's small, but there it is. This is an overhead of the um, existing site as it exists today, the parking structure that you um, enter from here and kind of go around here at the upper level. Um, and then again, just a kind of a, a footprint of the proposed, in red here is the footprint of the proposed development, redevelopment. Um, again, title sheet to that package. Um, so again, this is an existing condition site plan. The yellow line indicates the extent of the existing garage that looks to be repurposed. Uh, this, this slide here shows basically what the proposed structure would look like. As you can see in pink here, we've eliminated um, a section of the upper deck of the garage so that when uh, you come in here and turn around and kind of go around um, that piece. We needed a flat piece here to kind of make the transition. So we're actually removing a section of the garage. We get a little bit into the utility plans. Um, we met today, earlier today, with Peter Kerger of the Water Department, Water and Sewer Department, to kind of hash out some of the, the water and sewer details that um, showed up in the engineering department's comment letters. 
everything should be able to be served from the site. There's water and sewer capacity. We did calculations up here on the top left-hand corner to talk about water consumption and um, sewer, anticipated sewer discharge. And based on our meeting, it seems that we have the capacities on site to accommodate all that stuff. Um, here we have gas and electric and communications plans. We are actively working with National Grid who controls both the electric and the gas services here. We've got confirmation that there's plenty of electric um, in the neighborhood to pick up the, the need for this, uh, what's gonna, the electrical service requirement for the proposed structure. The gas, there is a high pressure gas that runs, runs through the site that also should, it's been confirmed that there's more than enough. We're still working with the gas company to determine the actual load that it will require, but they're comfortable that we should be able to get all that information. Um, we should be able to get all that service right from utilities on site. So we're hoping not to go off site um, for any of those utilities. Grading and drainage plan. We have, it's an interesting site. It's hundred percent developed as everybody here um, sure knows. And we had spoken with city engineer, Tim McGivern regarding how we kind of make the, it, it's a redevelopment project and how we make some improvements here. There is a, a slight reduction in impervious area that helps contribute to um, the stormwater management here. It also works out that uh, currently the upper deck of the parking is, ex is exposed. Um, stormwater cars drive in here, they could have discharges, uh, oil, whatever could run off of an automobile. Um, winds up in the stormwater system. It goes through an oil water sand separator and then goes into the system by putting the roof on the structure um, so that all the parking becomes structured. It helps actually in the quality of the stormwater discharge. So that's also an improvement to the site. We also, um, consistent with the engineering department's comment letter, uh, we agreed, and we've done this in many places in the past, and many of our managed properties will try to preserve as much of the stormwater as we can into a cistern so we can use it to water plants and such. And we've done that successfully in other, other places, and we hope to do that here as well. The landscaping plan, we, again, the, the, it is a pretty tight site. There is some landscaping along the existing 200 Boston Ave building that will be preserved. We'll probably have to um, do a little work here in the in the landscaping area that's in front of the garage structure between the garage and the sidewalk now. Obviously that'll be a, a work area as we erect this structure. So some of that will uh, be displaced and replanted. Um, as, as I talked about earlier, this, this will be down here in this area here is potential amenity space. So we hope to have um, some plaza area here, some outdoor space to kind of engage that amenity space here. So that'll be incorporated some benches and some <clears throat> stairways and ramps as well. 
to sort of reinforce that, this is just a, a floor plan, a ground level floor plan <coughs> of the proposal. In the pink here is the area that will be, that we're proposing to potentially be um, an amenity space. Right now, we certainly don't have any tenants um, lined up for that. We're happy to um, accept any referrals if you'd like to <coughs> help us out and find a nice local coffee shop that would like to take that space. We'd be more than open to that. Um, but all the rest of the ground level will be um, remain parking. Upper level, the second floor, this ramp that's here now will remain. You'll get up to the second level of parking and then transition up to the <clears throat> upper levels of parking um, in this clockwise manner. And the rest of the second level of parking will remain as it exists today, but now it will be covered. Just get up to the upper levels, the third, fourth, and fifth levels. <clears throat> These will be the uh, proposed leasable spaces here in blue. And then beige will be the parking. Again, it's a, it's a single, single ramp helix system. So there is ramps on both sides. One of the comments made <clears throat> with the historical commission letter was if we could flip it so the ramp was on the um, interior side of the, of the project. But because of the tightness of the site and to be able to continue to park on the ramps, we needed each bit of run. As you can see, there's only a bit of flat spot here. These ramps just keep going up. So it's very, <clears throat> very challenging to potentially flip that in this footprint to accommodate that, that comment. Um, again, we're looking at documents that were submitted as part of the municipal submission approval process. Just conceptual building sections, parking, as you can see, ramps, flat spot, like we talked about, three levels of leasable space, amenity space at the ground. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, just other cross sections of the garage in the leasable space. This would be the three level elevated pedestrian walkway here that connects the buildings. The roof of the structure would we would reserve this part of the roof for mechanical equipment. And this part of the, the garage section of the roof that's not likely to have any need for mechanical equipment will be reserved uh, for future solar arrays. It'll be built solar ready as the code building code requires. <clears throat> These are some building elevations and again there, it might be a little redundant. The, the video was um, derived after we put this package together. Um, but again, these talk about some of the materials that we're, we're using. Our, our goal is very much to match the vernacular of the existing building using modern materials. This upper elevation here is um, the north elevation. So you're looking south, existing building here to the left. Existed, it's a it's an old concrete mill building, all precast concrete with some brick infill. And we carried some of the same components into this, but just modernized materials. This is the Boston Ave here in the middle is the Boston Ave elevation. Um, what's interesting about this is one of the comments again in the historical commission letter was separating kind of the building from the parking structure. And while it's very challenging to do that, 
by recessing um, a section of it and it kind of complicates the parking. Um, we did achieve a, a visual disconnect here by um, providing a different material in between. So this will be all kind of screening and we'll have a different screening in the middle to kind of separate the two. So I, I think we accomplished the same, um, the, the same objective here. We just um, did it with materials as opposed to trying to change the shape of the building. Again, tough site, tough to do. Um, here's an isometric of kind of the site. A little, again, all developed before the video. Hopefully the video told a good amount of the story, but just addresses on some of the materials that we're going to use to kind of make this happen. Um, so the, the interesting part of this project is the phasing. And as you're aware, um, we would like to, obviously we, we need to keep this fully occupied 200 Boston Ave building exactly that occupied and operational. So as you can see here on the top left corner, um, existing condition plan now, parking deck building shows the relationships. Phase one, we'd like to be able to um, construct the parking structure first and then occupy the parking structure. And then phase two, we would go in and build the building. Uh, quick, quick run back to phase one. Um, the challenge with that is just we need to be able to get to this upper level of parking while this is being happening. The ramp to get here, as you can see, um, is on the south side of the uh, south side of the site, and it heads north and gives you access to the upper level parking deck. We have a lot of options. We haven't really nailed it down yet. One one thing we thought is if we could access it from Boston Ave with the temporary ramp while we're doing this, so that we could still utilize the parking, that would be one way to look at it. Even today, we talked about maybe we could do a ramp here on the north side of the, um, the existing garage to accommodate the same thing, depending on the run that we need. Um, so these are, these are some of the logistics that we're going to have to work out still. Um, we, we fully expect <clears throat> that there are going to be some asks here. And some of, the, some of the challenges are, you know, maybe we'll need some cooperation with the city to block off the sidewalk for a little bit while we're doing some work here. Or we're looking at off-site parking accommodations as well. Challenging. It's an urban site. It's pretty, uh, pretty tight. We have developed some laydown area strategies already for off-site stuff to get material here, but some of the, the on-site logistics will, will be uh, worked out and we'll hopefully, like I said, we'll work with the city to make that happen. And ultimately, uh, the complete building, this is what it looks like when it's all put together. Again, this was a, um, a, a, an aerial view of how it all would look when it's completed. Uh, I could probably zoom in a little more here. Uh, get getting a little closer and it kind of fits right in there nicely with the existing building and the existing surroundings. Not sure what the, these are all these were all just the, all these renderings here again very similar to what we showed in the video and showed at the beginning. So I'm just going to kind of breeze through these because these are these were all um, included in the in the municipal submission approval package, just kind of duplicate themselves. Um, one thing we were asked 
to look at in one of the meetings was some of the shadow studies. How would this building impact the neighbors? And there is definitely um, in the winter solstice, as we all know, that's when we get the longest shadows. Um, interestingly enough, there'll be some morning in, in the morning. We might get some uh, at the peak winter solstice. We might get some offsite shadows to the north. Uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, those are reversed. The, the houses across the street <clears throat> cast the shadows on the building. That was really the only time that there was any um, significant um, challenges here. Again, two times a day, it becomes, uh, as, as, the, as the day wears on, the shadows recede and uh, it should not be um, a significant hardship, I don't expect. And with that, I will turn, turn this over briefly to my colleague, Brian Marihi, who will talk about um, public transportation and parking on the site. Good evening, Mr. Chair, members of the board, Brian Murray, Cummings Properties. Um, the proposed addition is very well situated to facilitate multimodal transportation. With respect to public transport, bus routes 80 and 94. Um, Mike, I think you have to, uh, can you please uh, share your screen, Mike? Oh, I'm sorry about that. I thought if I shared, I stopped sharing my screen, I would get back to, uh, I'm sorry about that, everybody. That's okay. I'll I'll cont continue with the, um, the narrative. So bus routes 80 uh, and 94 um, serve the proposed addition on Boston Ave. Um, and in addition, there is bus route 96, which is within a half a mile of the proposal. These routes connect the building to um, cities and towns of Arlington, Medford, Cambridge, and Somerville. And uh, they, in particular, they provide connections to mass transit. Um, Davis Square Red Line T station is reached by bus routes 94 and 96. And to the north, um, the commuter rail um, station West, West Medford is um, accessed um, by bus as well. Um, another point to note is that in the MPO TIP program, uh, for the fiscal years 2022 to 2026, uh, a blue bike expansion um, has been approved, which would fund the creation of a blue bike dock uh, on Winthrop Street and, and Boston Avenue, which is uh, within a third of a mile from the proposed addition. Um, Mike, I'll need your assistance to, uh, great, um, move to the next slide, please. Thank you. Um, on this slide, I'd like to discuss parking. Uh, these two images are satellite images taken pre-pandemic in 2017 and 2018 uh, during a weekday. In the existing condition, the site has 361 spaces. Um, the site is occupied uh, by typically by the uses office and light uh, research and laboratory. The number of parking spaces in the existing condition is one per 658 gross square feet. As you can see from the satellite Im imagery, there is ample parking spaces to serve the needs of the occupants of the building. And I'll elaborate on that point a little further in a moment. Um, in the 
final condition um, uh, pending completion of the proposed addition. What we plan to do is to maintain that same ratio of parking in the existing condition, it's one space per 658 gross square feet. In the final condition, it's a slight improvement at one parking space per 671 gross square feet. Uh, I'd like to add an anecdote here um, for the benefit of the city who we understand are in, in consultation to consider recodifying re uh, zoning ordinance. In that Looking at these satellite images, we've ascertained that the actual demand for parking spaces for this building, which is predominantly serving life sciences, is on average one per 1,000 gross square feet. And that's in line with what the city and their consultants are thinking to codify for this type of use in the Office 2 district. So there's a data point to share for your benefit. Um, Mike, if you can please move on to the next slide. One additional point we'd like to make with respect to multimodal transportation is uh, the uh, ability to bike uh, to commute to the property. This is a, a, an image of the bike racks which are existing on site. They're very well utilised and we'd like to continue to support biking as a mode of transportation to the proposed addition and will uh, provide bicycle racks in proportion uh, to the building square footage. Um, I think that covers the key points that I wish to make on transportation and parking and, um, and I'll hand back to Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Brian. So I wanna share a couple of quick last little bits here before we can open it up to questions. This is 196 Boston Ave. <laughs> it's a nice picture. This is the facade facing the train the train tracks. This is what it looked like uh, before Cummings Properties uh, got involved with it. And uh, we all know what it looks like today, but this is just one of these fun things that I feel like um, anybody in Medford who's a lifelong resident or has been there for a long time would kind of recognize this and hopefully appreciate what's, uh, what's gone on in this two building campus for the last 30 years. And with that, I, I, we've talked a bit. I'm happy to open this up to questions. I know there's a lot of things that we all want to talk about, so we're happy to uh, entertain any questions. Great. Thank you, Mike. Um, if you can stop sharing your screen, um, that'd be great. Thank you. And let me open it up to board members for questions and comments. Uh, Kles? Hi. Um, I apologize if you if you were clear on this sub, on this question, but is this a new building or a renovation to a building? It's an addition to the existing building. That's how we're looking to. Um, Which existing together. building? The two hundred Boston Ave building, the one that in back of it that has um, that we showed the elevated pedestrian walkway connecting to. So we're going to treat this all as one big structure. I, um, I'd be interested in understanding the code approach to that, um, but that's probably not a discussion for right now. Um, open space requirements, 
All right, let me let me start. Let me step back. What variances are you you requesting as part of this project? Thank you. Um, we are requesting no variances. We're asking for a finding from the Zoning Board of Appeals based on three things. The existing rear yard setback is less than a foot. Part, um, the southeast corner is less than a foot from the property line. In this industrial zoning district today, the allowable stories is two and the allowable height is 35 feet. And so those are the, the three items that we're asking the Zoning Board of Appeals to issue a finding and a special permit that, the, that this addition to the building is not, more, um, is not more deleterious to the neighborhood than what's existing. Alicia, what is our, what, what are we ruling on or, or eventually ruling on? This is a site plan, right. This is a site plan review recommendation to the Zoning Board of Appeals. They are the permit granting entity for this project. Does that answer? Yeah, no, it does. I, 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 I'm, I'm very confused by the, the approach to planning in this project. And, and um, it may very well be that it's completely uh, correct, but it, it just seems to me that adding a new building because to me, this is a new building. This is not a. This is not a. An addition. Uh, a three-story bridge does not make one building become part of the. I mean, a three-story. Yeah, three-story bridge does not make one building become part of another. Um, I don't under. I'm. 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 Unclear about. The the zoning and code approach to to how that happens. It doesn't. So that was in the end a ruling by the building commissioner. So in the packet, the, um, the sixth page of the PDF of their thing is um, the letter, refer a letter from the permit refusal letter from the building commissioner. And so there is, um, he ruled that this was, would be considered, it's all one property that it would be an expansion of an existing non-conforming uh, building on the property between the existing parking structure and the bridge. It felt that it was uh, a good addition, that it was preferable to have this building with this additional commercial space, the additional R&D, the additional life science jobs, and re um, the commercial space on the ground floor and that it would be, uh, that he felt that that would be, could be deemed an expansion of an existing building in this sense. It's all one owner, it's all one piece of property. And that was his decision. Okay. It, um, building two separate know. buildings would be um, more challenging. Uh, well, clearly they've taken this approach because it's, it allows them to build the most 
building they can, which is smart, but it still makes no sense to me how that, beyond that, as a, as a reaction to the building, um, I think Boston Ave is a very interesting corridor in that it, it has a certain amount of industrial use, lab use um, on the uh, east side and um, very sort of residential use on the west. Um, I think curiously that the video was the thing that for me really cemented the fact that this building seems way out of scale for Boston Ave. Um, pushed right up against the road like that. And I'm also thinking about that in concert with open space. Like I understand that you're doing this thing where you're trying to create an extension of a building, but, and I'm assuming that as part of that, that, and, and <clears throat> that it's an existing building, somehow that excludes you from the open space requirements. Um, I may be wrong in that, and you can clarify. But um, the, it, it, you know, when you look at the site plan, the building looks like we're just building right up to the property line in a, you know, residential slash industrial neighborhood. Um, it seems dense and big um, for that spot. It's good that it's on the the right side of the street so that the shadows and sun don't affect um, the neighbors badly. But um, I still feel that there's some sort of mitigation in the in the architecture to to mitigate that that height um, would be merited. The, the, the thing I'm struggling with is exactly the sort of the 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 approval route that, you, that, that, that got us to this design. Um, but I suppose I can have some more conversations with others offline about that, but I don't know. Mike, do you want to respond I'm, to I'm any still of that? Very, I'm still very confused about, about how we got to this. How... I'd be happy to, thank you. Um, so it's an industrial zoning district. Um, there, are, there is no open space requirement in this district, zero. There is some minimal landscaping here. This is basically taking an existing footprint and just making it taller. So it's not like we're um, making it any bigger in that sense. Um, hot, why did I, why did we get to an addition as opposed to a brand new building? It's a great question. No, I, I understand why you did that. That's not okay. clear. Okay. So yeah, again, we, so I think I helpfully shed a little light on, again, the industrial zoning district, we're, we're, we're within the setback there. There is, um, as my colleague Brian mentioned, whether it happens or not, or how that goes, there is a, a, a move. The city is looking, working with a zoning consultant to rezone this area, as you know, um, 
to an office two district that would potentially that that would potentially put this almost at by by right without the open space. So we'd have to look at that a little more. Mike, could you could you talk a little bit about any uh, you know engagement uh, with the neighborhood uh, around there that you might have had and what you know feedback if any you got. Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned in April, April 14th, I believe we had a Zoom community outreach meeting and it was pretty well attended and we had a lot of comments from the neighbors. Um, one of them wanted it to look more like the airport in San Jose. And one of the um, comments, and I would, I think it was the gentleman, Doug Carr, who's on the historic commission, who's also an architect, spent a lot of time um, looking at it. And his biggest comment was, again, how we're separating the kind of the two. He, he actually liked it. He pretty positive. I think every, every comment, for the most part, was pretty positive. Um, he did focus on the kind of separating the two buildings. And I think he understood that the challenge with that would be we'd kind of um, disadvantage some of the parking if we would have pushed the middle section back. But other than those kind of architectural feedback, there wasn't a lot of other, I don't think we got anybody from the opposite side of Boston Ave that had any comments. And my understanding is that this is, uh, could you talk a little bit about how the phasing, when phase, how quickly phase two would happen and was, uh, how does it relate to the, of the building of the program of the original building kind of the first part of it that's going to be connected to yeah sure so the the first phase would be to construct the garage and i'm not sharing my screen anymore yeah no i, I mean i recall i'm just wondering about the timeline how quickly would oh, yeah. phase two followed phase one uh, immediately i mean our goal is to build the garage be able to use that to make sure that then we're, we're not asking for any um, uh, parking relief or we don't have to do any offsite stuff at that point in time. If we can get the garage up and running um, and we'll immediately go right into the construction of phase two, which is the front part of the building, the leasable part of the building. And I assume we haven't really worked on it too deeply, but we're kind of looking at kind of nine month, nine month phases for each one of those roughly. And we'd like to be able to schedule it so it's at a downtime. Maybe the the it begins so that um, or the bigger stuff happens that uh, it's it's in the summer when there's less people in the building and there's less people around, which might be helpful. And uh, the tenanting of the the new part of the building. What would uh, do you already have tenants lined up? Uh, no, we do not. We have many tenants, existing tenants in the building that have expressed interest in expansion. And this would be a great opportunity for them to expand in place. Um, we fully expect this to be um, a life science building. Uh, it's close to all the transportation in this industry. It's tough to move them out to Woburn and to Beverly. They all want to be down in this area. So we're looking to 
make that accommodation. We don't have anybody specifically, but as I mentioned earlier, we're happy if anybody wants to, anybody knows anybody looking for space, give us a shout. Mr. Chair, may I supplement? Yes. Uh, Go ahead, Dennis. My name is Dennis Clark. I'm CEO of Cummings Properties. And when we kicked off this permitting process some number of months ago, uh, we thought at that time, we didn't have a lease in hand, but we thought we knew exactly which of our existing expanding clients was going to take all or substantial portion of this new building. And if you had asked me if that was still the same plan up to about three days ago, I would have said yes. Sitting here right now, I don't know if that's going to happen. So as we sit here tonight, we still don't have a lease in hand and we're advancing this on a speculative basis. But we've been operating this property for almost 30 years. And over that time, we're very hands-on. We, we maintain, we design, we build, we finance, we do it all in-house. Uh, we have seen the gradual conversion of more and more of, of these two buildings towards science-based companies, including biotech. And that's the current composition of the building. So we're, we've seen demand. This building has been substantially full or full for several years. And uh, we, we see more demand than there is supply in the marketplace. And we think that this is a responsible way to, to invest more in Medford and, uh, and, and meet some of that demand. And, and presumably uh, with mostly existing clients in the building, because we've got a couple of dozen in total. And uh, a number of them are developing science-based firms that are always changing in, in what they need. All right, thank you for the clarification, Mr. Clark. Um, yes, Could Christine? I add a few comments? And some of them might sound a little crazy, but um, well, my- Hey, Christy, first, just introduce yourself again, sorry. I, sorry, I'm Christy Dowd, a member of the board. Thank you. Um, does this project have a linkage? Yes, That's a question. yes, it does. And what is that? The linkage- uh, Estimated around $275,000. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's sort of leading to my second question, like what is the give back to the neighborhood? Um, you know, just a, a, I think there's an opportunity to do something better than a Starbucks at the ground floor um, space. And, you know, if that's commercial space, is there consideration for another gesture of give back to the neighborhood that promotes um, some sort of educational opportunity at the ground floor, uh, something that promotes equity inclusion within that neighborhood um, or a neighborhood retailer. So that's just like my, my concerns. Um, I think across greater Boston, you're seeing a lot of these life sciences um, buildings going up and there is a huge focus on the ground floor commercial space to give back to the community in some way. And uh, my last comment is, I understand the phasing, but it does concern me that with this being speculative, the garage being built first and having some sort of commitment to ensure that that's the building itself gets built. Like then there's just not a garage and we've got a lot of parking. So I don't know if there's any response to that. Thank you. That's all I have. 
So I'd be happy to um, speak to the to, to both your point. Excellent points. Thank you so much. We put Starbucks there as a placeholder. We're open to, you know, we're we're hoping it's a smaller um, uh, community, something something smaller, more uh, organic. Uh, you know, maybe it's a mom and pop coffee shop that can serve the neighborhood, or it's a dry cleaner, whatever works best down there, whatever kind of um, neighborhood amenity that needs a space like that it's available that that's the intention we just kind of grabbed a logo and tried to show something there um, regarding the parking garage <laughs> i don't know what to say other than there is no chance that we're going to build a parking garage none 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 and then not follow up with this this is um the <laughs> We're not doing this to build a parking garage. We're doing it to build the, the leasable space. I'd like to add to that. Um, given, oh, just to add to the points I made when presenting the parking information, it, it simply wouldn't make economic sense to build an enlarged parking garage because currently we have more than sufficient number of spaces to serve the existing building's needs. So the building of a parking garage is driven by the, the proposed addition and the additional leasable space that it would uh, yield so they are entirely connected sorry Dennis uh, you had anything to add that, that's where I was going to Brian thank you right thank you uh, board members any any other questions you'd like to bring up at this time before we open up the the public uh, participation portion of the hearing I guess, I guess I just would follow up and I know I'm like a little bit of a broken record at this point, but um, I would encourage you to look at the massing of the building and how it addresses the street and how the, the landscaping uh, is thought of as in, in a holistic way with uh, the whole of the project massing and, and how it touches the street. Um, and I also think, you know, it's a curious design problem in that area where um, there's, there's very much uh, a very diverse um, number of types of buildings and, and uses along that edge. Um, I mentioned the residential across the street, but if you, if you think about that side of Boston Ave, you know, you have, you have everything along there from, from homes to, uh, you know, antique shops to gas stations to, U-Haul. So, I, you know, thinking about the retail and the ground floor uses, how the building meets the street and how it could sort of start to tell a story of how it could stitch together um, Boston Ave is something I think I would really encourage you to think about. Uh, since we, the city department heads have taken a, a look at this. I'm wondering if uh, the city engineer, Tim, Mc, Tim McGivern, would like to uh, speak up or... Sure. Hey, Mr. McGivern, thanks for joining. Sure. Uh, Andre, did you have any specific questions for me or did you want me to kind of give you well, a... I'm wondering, I, I know that in your letter you raised uh, some some issues, and I know you know Kles is raising some issues right now. I'm wondering whether you wanted to uh, highlight anything in particular. 
Um, you know, uh, as uh, as proponents stated, they did meet with us uh, preliminarily and discuss things. Um, generally, you know, from a utility standpoint, they're um, they appear to be heading down the right direction. Uh, and I, you know, I knew what direction they were headed. Um, I mean, one, I mean, I, I could go into all kinds of details. Um, I'll just do each one roughly. Stormwater system, um, they connect to actually a non-Medford system. It's a private system. Um, we don't actually know who owns it, but it discharges to the river. Um, and, uh, you know, so they, it's a redevelopment project, reducing impervious area. So the idea of cisterns really uh, kind of um, is something that uh, I think is, makes a lot of sense here if they can use the irrigation water. Um, and also, you know, by converting roofed parking to uh, just a regular roof, it does contribute to uh, water quality as well as the reduction of impervious area. So, you know, and I've asked them to uh, take uh, take a look at the on-site system as far as um, the the collection that's there now and, and making some um, sort of baseline improvements, just kind of getting things up to where they should be, uh, keeping floatables and oils out of the out of the river. Um, as far as water, they have their own on-site uh, uh, private system. Um, I'm asking them to confirm that it is looped um, so they can have fire protection service from two sources uh, and not just one. Um, so I'm, I'm certain they probably talked about that with, with Mr. Kerger uh, today uh, and, and, and figuring that piece out of it. Um, and then uh, what am I forgetting? Sewer. Uh, I've asked them to just uh, uh, making sure they're taking a look at where their sewage is going right now. Um, it goes into uh, part of it goes into an oil grid separator. Um, you know, so I've asked them to separate the uh, traditional wastewater flow from the oil grid flow to protect that unit, do maintenance, video inspect the private uh, service to get to our system, and also to inspect for any infiltration or um, inflows, uh, which um, you know is pretty baseline stuff. Uh, and then um, from, a, from a site perspective, um, again, it's, there's an existing footprint there uh, and uh, given for where it is and, and you know, what they're doing, I didn't have any general site issues with the, with the, uh, the programming that they're proposing. Um, there's a slight increase in landscaping uh, area out front with sort of a pedestrian amenity along the, the front of the property. I think, um, you know, th that'll uh, do well for the area. Um, I, I think, um, you know, Mr. Um, well, Klaus, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I just looked at it real quick. I apologize. Uh, anyway. Um, Andreasen. Uh, Andreasen. Yeah, Mr. Andreasen um, makes a good point, you know, as far as the massing of the building and, and how, you know, Boston Ave takes that. Uh, you know, I'm not an architect, but uh, I, I kind of felt that in the renderings too, but, you know, um, that's not for my place to say one way or the other. Um, and then we had some recommendations that we felt were appropriate given the, um, uh, given the traffic analysis, similar to the last project we went, uh, went over, um, sort of um, giving a menu of options that are, that are um, somewhat smaller improvements, capping at about 20,000. I think Todd is here, can um, give details on that. Uh, and then the last element I'll talk about real quick is frontage. Uh, and making some some you know real modest frontage improvements, I think is all all that we'd be asking for here. Uh, and you know replacing busted concrete panels, sidewalk panels. In general, it's in it's in fair plus to good condition. That sidewalk, I'd say good. So there's some cracked panels, some heaving. Um, you know we, we've asked them to take a look at their entrances. Usually here in the city, we'd like to have entrances that are either 
treated like a roadway or treated like a driveway and not in the middle kind of the, right now they're in the middle. So we're asking them to make some improvements there. Um, pretty modest. Uh, and uh, what else? Um, and I think uh, Todd, if you wanted to go into some of the uh, menus of options that, uh, that, they, that you've um, put in there, uh, I think that might be the logical next step. So thank you. I'm open for questions as well. Thank you. Well, Tim, before you go, can I just, uh, can I ask one follow-up question, which is around, you know, we have a, an email in our materials from Dave Proctor, the superintendent of water and sewer. And I, I'm just a little confused about the, uh, you know, what's going on with the water and sewer connections. Um, are you, was there some follow-up on that is. Uh, I haven't, I haven't actually spoken. I, I'm not aware of the email. I haven't actually spoken to Dave. Um, so Dave Proctor is the, the uh, water purveyor. He leads the water and sewer division. So from a practical standpoint, they'll need to get inspections and things like that. Um, you know, he's probably looking at similar things I'm looking at. Right now, I don't have records for a looped connection. So um, the project is stating that they have a looped connection uh, from North Street to Boston Avenue. So that would allow them to pull their services off of that loop and meet fire protection site code, basically. Um, but if they don't have that, then they would most likely need to figure out a way to loop it or put the connections into Boston Avenue. I don't know what Dave has said, but that's, you know, that's roughly uh, what's going on with the water. And sewer, it's an on-site collection system um, with, uh, with, I believe, one connection to our city uh, system. So.